Preface to How to Write Short Stories with Samples by Ring Lardner. Published in 1924. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in March 2020. Preface How to Write Short Stories A glimpse at the advertising columns of our leading magazines shows that whatever else this country may be shy of, there is certainly no lack of correspondence schools that learns you the art of short story writing. The most notorious of these schools makes the boast that one of their pupils cleaned up $5,000 and no hundreds dollars writing short stories according to the system learnt in their course, though it don't say if that amount was cleaned up in one year or fifty. However, for some reason or another, when you skin through the pages of high-class periodicals, you don't very often find them cluttered up with stories that was written by boys or gals who had win their Phi Beta skeleton keys at this or that story-writing college. In fact, the most of the successful authors of the short fiction of today never went to no kind of a college, or if they did, they studied piano tuning or the barber trade. They could have got just as far in what I call the literary game if they had a stayed home those four years and helped mother carry out the empty bottles. The answer is that you can't find no school in operation up to date, whether it be a general institution of learning or a school that specializes in story writing, which can make a great author out of a born druggist. But a little group of our deeper drinkers has suggested that maybe boys and gals who wants to take up writing as their life work would be benefited if some person like I was to give them a few hints in regards to the technique of the short story, how to go about planning it and writing it, when and where to plant the love interest and climax, and finally how to market the finished product without leaving no bad taste in the mouth. Well, then, it seems to me like the best method to use in giving out these hints is to try and describe my own personal procedure from the time I get inspired till the time the manuscript is loaded onto the trucks. The first thing I generally always do is try and get a hold of a catchy title, like, for instance, Basil Hargrave's Vermifuge, or Fun at the Incinerating Plant. Then I sit down to a desk or flat table of any kind and lay out three or four sheets of paper with as many different colored pencils and look at them cockeyed for a few moments before making a selection. How to begin, or as we professionals would say, how to commence, is the next question. It must be admitted that the method of approach, l'approchement, differs even amongst first-class fictionists. For example, Blasco Abanez usually starts his stories with a Spanish word, Jack Dempsey with an I, and Charlie Peterson with a couple of simple declarative sentences about his leading character, such as, Hazel Gooftree had just gone mahjong. She felt faint. Personally, it has been my observation that the reading public prefers short dialogue to any other kind of writing, and I always aim to open my tale with two or three lines of conversation between characters, or as I call them, my puppets, who are to play important roles. 
i have often found that something one of these characters says words i have perhaps unconsciously put into his or her mouth directs my plot into channels deeper than i had planned and changes for the better the entire sense of my story to illustrate this let us pretend that i have laid out a plot as follows two girls dorothy abbott and edith quaver are spending the heated term at a famous resort the prince of wales visits the resort but leaves on the next train a day or two later a mexican reaches the place and looks for accommodations but is unable to find a room without a bath the two girls meet him at the public filling station and ask him for a contribution to their autograph album to their amazement he utters a terrible oath spits in their general direction and hurries out of town it is not until years later that the two girls learn he is a notorious forger and realize how lucky they were after all let us pretend that the above is the original plot then let us begin the writing with haphazard dialogue and see whither it leads where was you asked edith quaver to the taxidermists replied dorothy abbott the two girls were spending the heated term at a famous watering trough they had just been bathing and were now engaged in sorting dental floss i'm getting sick and tired of this place went on miss quaver it is mutual said miss abbott shying a cucumber at a passing paper hanger there was a rap at their door and the maid's voice announced that company was awaiting them downstairs the two girls went down and entered the music room garnet whale driver was at the piano and the girls tiptoed to the lounge the big nordic oblivious of their presence allowed his fingers to form weird fantastic minors before they strayed unconsciously into the first tones of chopin's one hundred and twenty-first fugue for the bass drum from this beginning a skilled writer could go most anywheres but it would be my tendency to drop these three characters and take up the life of a mule in the grand canyon the mule watches the trains come in from the east he watches the trains come in from the west and keeps wondering who is going to ride him but she never finds out the love interest and climax would come when a man and a lady both strangers got to talking together on the train going back east well said mrs crute for it was she what did you think of the canyon some cave replied her escort what a funny way to put it replied mrs crute and now play me something without a word warren took his place on the piano bench and at first allowed his fingers to form weird fantastic chords on the black keys suddenly and with no seeming intention he was in the midst of the second movement of chopin's twelfth sonata for flute and cuspidor mrs crute felt faint that will give young writers an idea of how an apparently trivial thing such as a line of dialogue will upset an entire plot and lead an author far from the path he had pointed for himself it will also serve as a model for beginners to follow in regards to style and technique i will not insult my readers by going on with the story to its obvious conclusion that simple task they can do for themselves and it will be good practice so much for the planning and writing now for the marketing of the completed work a good many young writers make the mistake of enclosing a stamped self-addressed envelope big enough for the manuscript to come back in 
This is too much of a temptation to the editor. Personally, I have found it a good scheme to not even sign my name to the story, and when I have got it sealed up in its envelope and stamped and addressed, I take it to some town where I don't live and mail it from there. The editor has no idea who wrote the story, so how can he send it back? He is in a quandary. In conclusion, let me warn my pupils never to write their stories, or as we professionals call them, yarns, on used paper, and never to write them on a postcard, and never to send them by telegraph. Morse code. Stories, yarns of mine, which have appeared in various publications, one of them having been accepted and published by the first editor that got it, are reprinted in the following pages and will illustrate, in a half-hearted way, what I am trying to get at. Ring Lardner The Mange, Great Neck, Long Island, 1924 End of Preface